Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast. My name is Willie Simpson. My name is Sonia Rappaport. And today, Sonia, we are still in Season 2 of the Spider-Man animated series and what we are dubbing the Spider-Man years. This entire season is uh, named the Neogenic Nightmare. We are on Neogenic Nightmare Chapter 2, Battle of the Insidious Six. The sequel to the last episode called Insidious Six. It's still Insidious. That's correct. But the titles are getting longer and longer. Yeah. Um, this episode was incredible. <laughs> I, I don't... You know, a, a lot of what we're doing covering the Spider-Man animated show, I think, is just evangelizing about how great the show is. And I know, obviously, it has its fans... Uh, but it's just a. I think it is a little less famous than the X Men animated series was. Mm. Um, so, and it's probably a little harder to get, a little less accessible right now if you're trying to watch it. Um, but just do whatever you can to watch it. Find it on some streaming website. Buy it like we did. Uh, the show is great. It's really good. Uh, I thought this episode was almost movie quality. Like if they were ever doing a. Insidious 6 movie, they could learn a lot from the last two episodes as far as, like, executing all the basic elements and all the incredible action beats and all the twists and turns. Yeah, that would be a great idea for a movie. You yeah. hear us, Marvel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they'll get to it one day yeah. on some level. Uh, but, I mean, really, though, like, it, I thought this this conclusion to part two of the Insidious 6 here, it was almost flawless. And I was... I didn't remember all the crazy stuff that happened, too. I was genuinely surprised with all the plot twists. Mm -hmm. The writing was incredibly strong. Uh, I thought it was very smart and witty, too. And it it checked all the boxes that I have uh, when it comes to superhero media, when it comes to writing, which is namely people asking smart questions in bizarre situations. Not just superhero media, just all kinds of media. Comedies, dramas. There's so many shows where things could be cleared up very easily if one character just said to the other one, like, hey, what's going on with this? Right. And they had a conversation about it, but so often that doesn't happen, and, and all kinds of madness ensues. Right. And it's so infuriating to watch, because you're like, <laughs> it's so easily avoidable. Right, yeah. You're absolutely right. And in this, they anyway, should... they don't do that here. They don't do that here, but they show you that even if a character is asking a bunch of logical questions, trying to sort of just find, like, the common thread of sense-making in a complicated situation, that that is inherently dramatic, too. It's not like it mm. pierces this fantasy we're enjoying, where we just, oh, just, like, sit back and be swept along. It doesn't matter that the hero, like, doesn't realize that the girl's on the other side of the wall. You know, like, whatever the situation is. It's, it's like, he'll get to her eventually. You know, like, that's what, so, like you said, so much media, like, forces us to suspend our disbelief and just accept, like, a crappy plot, crappy writing. Mm-hmm. When really, the most exciting kinds of writing is when characters are intelligent and they're asking pertinent questions to the plot directly and like one other character has to outthink the other one mm-hmm. or outsmart the other one so we'll get to all that stuff but this episode a prime example of why the show is great and why uh, we should all celebrate Spider-Man forever <laughs> the animated <laughs> series anyway um so just a, a quick recap of last week we're introduced to the Insidious 6 Spider-Man is losing his powers much to his great anxiety and to the viewer's anxiety at least my anxiety that I admitted to. I don't know how anxious you are that Spider-Man was losing his power. Nah. You're okay with it. Um, so, and in the end, they, like, managed to kidnap Aunt May. Well, they don't really kidnap her. They trick her into a kidnapping situation. And uh, they, because their, their scheme is to get Peter Parker, because they know he knows Spider-Man, to lure Spider-Man into a trap. 
to rescue Aunt May, I guess. So uh, that's what they do. They're like at this hideout that the Kingpin has set up. It's like a hospital for his gangsters when they get wounded or something. Right. Um, and so that's where Aunt May is. Peter's going there. He proceeds from the last episode on foot because he doesn't have his spider powers. The uh, the Insidious Six are a little suspicious of this. And then he gets captured pretty easily. Like, he's cornered in the warehouse of this building. So that's where the episode opens. So they're fighting around in this, like, basement storage area. Uh it, I guess it has a lot of the bad guy equipment because Shocker blows up a box and all the Mysterio cubes come right. out. He's like, I told you to store those somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, and it's like, wow, he's got a lot of them too because each one's pretty magical and intense. I know, yeah. He's getting them mass produced somewhere overseas or whatever. Right. And uh, now he has them. These are very, like, <laughs> office space logistical problems that they're having. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they do Mysterio and then the movie that's coming up, if he's got the Mysterio cubes or, like, however else he projects his illusions mm-hmm. and things. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, this is, like, the more dopey Mysterio. He's not that smart. Um, well, he's not dumb either. Anyway, I don't know why I said that. Uh, anyway, Spider-Man is, like, trying to escape all these bad guys still, even without his powers. He does comment that he has a little bit of spider agility, and you see him flipping around a bit. Which is kind of interesting because even though he's lost his power, it's obviously like he's not lost his his physical muscles. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like those degraded as well. Uh, he's he's obviously worked himself into like great shape from his Spider-Man transformation. Yeah, and so it would kind of make sense that he could flip around still. I think. Uh, as far as losing his powers go, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. He's just not sticky anymore. Right. It reminds me a bit of uh, we saw in the, the episode where X, the X-Men go to Antarctica uh, to the Savage Land, and Mr. Sinister has his device that renders all mutant powers, like, inoperable, mm-hmm. unless you have a magic belt, which he gives out to his goon. What was that Toad's name that we love so much, that guy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he talks like this... The master right. will not be pleased. <laughs> I can't. Re- I can't believe we can't remember his name right now. Amphibian or something. Amphibion. Something like that. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so I re- anyway, Wolverine loses his powers as well. He loses his healing powers, but he still has his claws, and he can still flip around because he's a he's been a martial arts expert for the past 150 years. Right. So the physical things are still there. Right. It's so, just like the added bonuses are not. Right. Yeah. Um. I. I. So I love that. That it's similar to that. Again, a strike of logic. You know yeah. that Peter would have. A little bit of agility. Right, but he does comment that his spider sense is gone. Yes, his spider sense is gone. Um, but, you know, he can't, like, fight for long. Um, you know, one of the Mysterio cubes goes off. They're fighting in, like, a fake jungle now. Uh, Spider-Man realizes this. The other characters realize it, too. But he is captured re- uh, pretty quickly. Um, it's at this moment that a Silvermane video calls Kingpin. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, uh, Kingpin, we've had enough of you. You can't catch that Spider-Man. And Kingpin's like, oh, really? <laughs> Take a look at your viewing monitor. And they show him uh, in Dr. Octopus's clutches there. Right. All the insidious six are circled around, like, leering at him because they've caught him They finally. finally got him. And we'll talk more about Silvermane later because this is one of, like, his great shining moments mm-hmm. in this episode overall. But, so, it's like, great, Spider-Man's caught from the villain's perspective. It's great. Uh, and they get to unmasking him 
And, like, I forgot about this moment. It's incredible. This made me so anxious as a kid. It actually still makes me a little anxious now because they do draw it out a little bit. They kind of, like, milk the moment. Yeah. So that they they like... pull off his mask. Doc Ock's like, oh, it's Peter Parker. And Peter thinks to himself, he's like, he says, quote, I've lost. Even worse, I failed Aunt May. Yeah. And it, that's a pretty heavy line. You know, it's like it, he's completely defeated. Aunt May's going to die. His secrets revealed to his enemies. Like, every, you know, it's over. Right. And he doesn't have his powers anymore, too. Like, he's going to get killed as Peter Parker. The scene is just so well done because the part that they draw out really is, like, before the unmasking. You know, right. like, they show the setup and, like, the <laughs> doc- Dr. Octopus's one tentacle, yeah. mechanical <laughs> tentacle coming over to, like, unmask him, takes like a, a good few seconds like longer than it needs to and you're like oh my god what's gonna happen and the squishy noise of his mask coming off his body that we love so much that his costume makes that rubbery noise um but like surprise surprise the villains they think they're like a little too clever they say oh this is clearly not spider-man first of all doc doc was knows peter parker he was a student of his which we saw in his origin episode he's like uh, he's like, you're not Spider-Man, and that explains everything. It explains why you're not strong and powerful, and yeah. he has such an easy time beating you. He's like, I've fought Spider-Man before, and he's, like, almost unbeatable. Yeah. And, you know, he flashes back or whatever. But, yeah. like, you, like, you're you're not Spider-Man. Like, you're not fighting like him. This is, you, you know, you're just a fraud trying to save Aunt May because you couldn't find the real Spider-Man. Right. And if Peter was like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> a real, like, stinker grin goes across his face. It's amazing. Yeah. And uh, I just love that Doc Ock lays the stakes of who he thinks the real Spider-Man is, which is true. Spider-Man is a super overpowered, like, impossible-to-catch superhero. Mm -hmm. He's super fast. He's super agile. He's super strong. He's very smart, obviously, too. It's like it's really hard to kill Spider-Man, and Doc Ock knows. That's why they needed six overpowered super goons to try to catch him. I love how he keeps referring to Peter Parker as his star pupil or something like that. (laughs) It's like he has no self-awareness of Peter Parker looking at him as a supervillain, mm-hmm. even though he was formerly like a very respected professor. Right. You know, like yeah. there's no conversation about that. He just yeah, keeps being like, my star pupil. Yeah. <laughs> and Peter doesn't say anything about him. Like, what the hell are you up to? Like, well, I think because I, I think in that last episode we saw Doc Octopus, Peter confronts Doc Ock as himself. Yeah. And he's like, remember me? I was when you were not crazy. You know, right, you taught yeah. me that science is blah, 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 That's to be true. respected. And he appealed to his emotional side. Which is weird. Right. You're right. It, it, there's a weird element. There's a lot of, like, missing emotional beats. I was saying to you as we were watching, like, this is such a good episode. Everything they need to address is perfectly addressed. But it's because it's 21 minutes plus, like, a three-minute, like, recap and the credit sequence. So it's mm-hmm. even less than that. It's, like, 18 minutes, I guess. Yeah. They have to condense all the, like, content like in this hyper way that like I feel if it was a 41 minute show if they could spread out this one episode over 41 minutes they could get to moments like you're saying they would be able to like let it breathe more like a proper like hour long TV show dive into the emotions dive into the emotions (laughs) like the smaller quieter moments things like that but here because it's it's so fast-paced. It's like they just have to burn through everything. I'm not mad about it. It's cool. No, it's great. It's like it, it's like a really fun ride. It's perfect. It's like reading a comic book. I mean, that's really... The show achieved that. Yeah. It's, it's a comic book come to life, and there probably is not a greater compliment. So... Um, and just to keep pouring more honey on the show, like it's as good as Batman, in my opinion. And like when it's that, when it's this good, it's as good as the Batman animated series, mm. which was as good as it ever got, right? I don't know about that. Okay, well that's just my opinion. Wait, um, so uh, they don't believe it's Peter. Um, in this moment, uh, shocker, like 
in a fit of inspiration, tries to kill Parker because he's so mad that they got screwed over here. <laughs> and But Doc Ock saves his life, like, knocks Peter out of the way because he wants to keep using Parker to, like, get Spider-Man. But as he's doing it, he knocks Peter on the floor. He's able to grab some of those Mysterio cubes we saw before. Right. Peter just puts them in his pocket. Very secretly. slyly, yeah. Peter really shows off his intelligence in this episode, which is incredible. Show, showing you, like, that's going to be the key to beating this gang of uh, bad guys. Uh, so... Peter gets the Mysterio cubes, which he'll use later. Um, but anyway, cut back to Kingman and uh, Silvermane. Uh, they're quite stunned by all of this. Uh, Silvermane is incredibly angry. And his quote here is just one of the all-time quotes in the series, where he just berates Kingpin. He says, you kidnap an old lady and strong-arm her weak nephew? <laughs> he's like, I used to admire you. And Kingpin is so furious, he like crushes some stone object. I forget what he crushes in his hand, maybe like a computer console or something. I don't Turns to dust. So Kingpin is uh, angry, but he's kind of cool in a way, too, because immediately we cut to Silvermane, he calls up Hammerhead on his video conference phone and is like, we got to take the Kingpin down now. He's weak. And Hammer's like, all right, boss, (laughs) even though he's also a fellow crime lord. Kingpin coolly obviously expects this. He's like, the crime lords are going to come after me. And you hear, like, the weird villain music playing. Mm -hmm. And just like, uh, this is one of my favorite albums to show, the villain intrigue double cross that has nothing to do with Spider-Man. This whole world of just criminal, like, uh, coming and goings, you know what I mean? Um, so we get a, we get our, like, first real, like, heavy dose of that stuff. It's gonna be, it's really gonna come to a head later in some future Silvermane episodes. Um, anyway, so Kingpin's preparing for the Crime Lord attack, uh, but meanwhile, like, the City 6, led by Dr. Octopus, like, they have a new plan to get Spider-Man. They, they want to use Peter to lure Spider-Man out for real this time. They threaten to kill Aunt May if he doesn't help them. Mm-hmm. So they, they put Peter back in the hospital. They allow Aunt May to see him um, so that she believes he, uh, he's safe. She gets to go home, uh, not before she kisses him. Uh, a mild answer to her question about if Dr. Octopus could take off his costume. We talked about in the, in the last episode that, you know, is Doc Oct, like, stuck in this green and yellow body armor? Right. So in this scene, we see him wearing a doctor lab coat with a, like a tie and a vest. Mm-hmm. He still has his yellow boots on underneath. And his yellow gloves. Oh, yes, that's true. Yeah. So I think he just layers those things over and yeah. like somehow those tentacles are retractable or something. And he's just hiding them under the lab coat. Yeah, probably. I mean, it just gives me great anxiety to imagine a person who can't take off their outfit. <laughs> I don't. I hate to be trapped in one pair of clothes the rest of my life. It's like a hot, you know, like heavy piece of clothing too. You uh-huh. know what I mean? So anyway, um, so can he change his clothes? We're not sure. It's kind of vague. Um, uh, so this is all going around in the fake hospital room. Breaking news: Doctor Octopus has a different set of clothes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. um, this is all going on in this hospital room. Uh, Mysterio reveals himself, which was quite humorous. Uh-huh. He was hiding the whole time as like a ficus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was like a you know like a he piece illusioned of, himself as a, a potted plant. As a potted plant in the hospital room, which is really funny. Uh-huh. Um, and then they, like, cut to the exterior of this Octavius clinic, which looks like a nice little hospital building that Aunt May was leaving from. It turns out that the exterior is a hologram, too. Right. It's like a dumpy building. Right. It's, like, peeling chipped paint and stuff on the outside. It's just crazy that they go to all this trouble only for the benefit of Aunt May. Like, she's the only person that well, is, I like, guess, seeing this. I guess they want Peter to really... They want Peter to help them. 
Right. So he's not going to help them if Aunt May's not in danger. And I guess they don't care about Aunt May anymore. They only care about Spider-Man. She's like, all right, Peter and Aunt May have nothing. You know, who yeah, cares? right. Uh, but anyway, so Kingpin is plotting the capture of Silvermane now because he's going to double-cross the crime lords before they can double-cross him. Um, and he, he – the Insidious Six is all on board with helping Kingpin in this, like, totally separate activity unrelated to killing Spider-Man. You know, like, Chameleon breaks into the crime lord base uh, as – Silvermane mm-hmm. to kidnap Silvermane. Uh, later, we'll see like Rhino flying in on a harness from a helicopter. I know. That's actually, I really like that scene. It's funny because they're flying him around, and he like has his eyes closed. You yeah. know, it's almost like he's really a Rhino, and like, uh, or I don't know, whatever. It's just great anyway. animation. It's so funny to see Rhino suspended in this harness from a helicopter, like yeah. blasting through the side of a building, and then he quickly harnesses himself. And it's actually really well done animation. Yeah, and a show that really cheaps out on a lot of animation. Like this was actually very well detailed and fast paced and cool looking. So Rhino's blasting into this crime base building. Um, I, again, I'm not really sure why the City Six is like automatically going along with Kingpin to like help take down Silvermane and Hammerhead, but it is what it is. Um, and then let's talk about Silvermane just a little bit. The act, we talked about the actor plays him briefly. Well, we mentioned that he's good in the last episode. We looked him up. His name is Paul Winchell. I, I believe that's how it's pronounced. And this guy had a hell of a life. Mm-hmm. Born in 1922, died in 2004. Um, he was like a famous ventriloquist in the 50s and 60s and like a, always been a voice actor and an actor in Hollywood a long time. Um, I guess m- more famous for being a ventriloquist than anything. And uh, he was on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson for a million years, like that kind of thing. Mm. Like old-time Hollywood. But beyond that, he was also an inventor in his spare time. Like, this guy is almost like a real-life superhero, <laughs> just based on, like, his weird, like, dual identity. Because he he was, he was invented an, a working artificial heart that, like, could actually be installed in a chest cavity. Mechanical, they said, even, right? Oh, was it a me- Yeah, mechanical artificial heart. That's, like, mm. fucking insane. Yeah. He also, like, he did, like, all this humanitarian work in Africa, too, where he was, like, working on stuff to get, like, fish to, like... He found a way to cultivate tilapia. Right. Right? Yeah. In captivity. And they said that he was very fascinated with technology his whole life. He had a website up, like, in his 80s and, like, the early 2000s. Crazy. Yeah, it's, like, really crazy. Like, what a fascinating life. You should Everyone should read his Wikipedia page, Paul Winchell. And he did a million voices. <laughs> it sounds like you're recommending a biography or something. Well, I mean, I was... All we, all we really got for you is a Wikipedia page. <laughs> I mean, I knew his voice sounded familiar because his voice was too unique uh-huh. to just be, like, a generic voice actor kind of thing. Right. Um, so I was like, who is this guy? And and also so like more famously he was I think he was Gargamel in the Smurfs mm-hmm. for a million years he also uh, I think he he was Tigger in, yeah, in, in the original the Tigger and Winnie the Pooh and I think you know they, they mentioned that he traded the voice of Tigger with Jim Cummings like back and forth throughout the animated movies they would do and stuff like that mm. but I mean damn what a what a career um, and and they didn't I don't even think they mentioned uh, Silvermane on his Wikipedia page because his credits were like that extensive mm. so, this is obviously a very minor note in his like prolific career but really cool on the Spider-Man actors for hiring him and yeah. just having him as this really like very intriguing character that's just like an old man but there's like so much to him mm-hmm. you know all right, so Silvermane's great, uh, but he's kidnapped by uh, Chameleon. Um, you know, Kingpin is just always one step ahead of his enemies. Um, anyway, uh, so, but meanwhile, Peter is with Dr. Octopus to 
he's like they're gonna meet spider-man on top of a building that's where he says he, he meets spider-man every night at midnight to speak to him and before we get to that point, like I like that Peter's now wearing a trench coat over his Spider-Man outfit. <laughs> and Doc Ock is back in the trench coat, too, over his traditional body armor. Mm-hmm. So there's just trench coats everywhere. <laughs> like, the best disguise. They got, a, you know? they got extra ones in the, cl- in the closet somewhere to give to Peter. Um, you know, So they're riding up some like skyscraper building elevator. And this is what we were alluding to before, where Doc Ock is just grilling Peter about like this all this business. Uh, you know, he says, like, uh, it's like, why do you meet Spider-Man here? Why in this roof? Like, he's really inquisitive. And Peter has answers for all this. Yeah, he's like, oh, because you can see from far away so he can tell if I'm alone or not. You know, he doesn't really trust me either. Right. And then he's like, why does he meet with you at all? And Peter has a great answer. He's like, oh, he just likes getting his picture in the paper. And I really help him with that. And and it's, like, incredible that Peter's, like, establishing almost, like, a fake identity for Spider-Man. That he's, like, a glory hound. And that he's just kind of, like, in it for himself. and Right, which the villains are obviously, like, predisposed to believe. Because of J. Jonah Jameson, that's, like, the, the, the essentially the character that Jameson's made up for Spider-Man and his fake news about him. Right. It's incredible. It's just, like, all this stuff is woven in, and they don't even have to say it. But just the, it's just a great scene where Doc Ock is just trying to, like, really, like, put all the pieces together, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, they could have just ridden up silently and... Peter could have just thought to himself, like, how am I going to get out of this one, you yeah. know? But instead, it's just, like, a great moment between these two characters. So um, they get up to the top of this rooftop, and the Insidious Six is there as well. Mysterio gives them a Mysterio cue, and they all hide as air vents, like, in a <laughs> semicircle. <laughs> like, just, like, a weird, like, air conditioning, like, vent that's on top of a building, you know? Right. It's just funny to see. That's really clever, actually. Um, Peter... He has his Mysterio cubes, and he uses them as a distraction. Pulls them out of his trench coat like a jet goes flying over her head. Peter's like, what's that? And he runs. Right, runs. He's like, he doesn't really have much of a play here. He's just kind of trying to save his own ass. He has, like, a few of those cubes, so he, like, throws them behind him and and makes Rhino feel like he's falling into a a ravine or something. It's like, you know, he's just kind of... Trying his best. I don't he know. doesn't really have anywhere to go. He's just trying to get away. And so, like, how do these cubes work exactly? <laughs> like, is it in the mind of the thrower? And like, no, I think they're preset. I think what's established in this episode is that there he has a million of them, and right. they're all and randomly each one programmed. Is just something. Yeah. So, like, the one that makes like the ravine is always going to be a ravine. Yeah. Yeah. And Peter just had like a random handful. Right. Yeah. Got it. Okay. I mean, there. The thing about them is, there's more magic to them then makes sense with the science that's presented uh-huh. because oftentimes in the Mysterio episodes you'll see him using an illusion but like the illusion like you can seemingly walk through walls and stuff like that you know what I mean mm. like there's physics to the illusions sometimes that don't make any sense right and really they're like just sometimes they're permeable and sometimes not right and they're really just reflections because you, sh- you see them just emanating out of this cube they're not like magic energy it's just a you know it's a hologram right he's a movie special effects creator guy genius yeah so whatever um so Peter, he has his Mysterio cues. I like that Mysterio immediately knows they're fake. It's a distraction. So Shocker starts blasting Peter. It, oh, Peter, like, runs to the edge of the roof, and he's like, Spider-Man, look out! It's an ambush! <laughs> you know, like, to set up, like, a fake situation. Shocker shoots Peter off the roof, and uh, Peter, luckily, in this moment, he gets his spider powers back, because, one, the shock doesn't kill him, and he manages to hang on to the building. And he's like, wow, I got my powers back! great you know uh, right. he like puts his mask on gets rid of the trench coat off but, the side of the building but then he like falls off the building because his powers have returned fully 
So I love that they like they they think things like they think you're gonna snap back to normal now, but not really. It's like there's still like some anxiety going on. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah. It, it's at this point, right, that he sees Silvermane being suspended from the helicopter that Kingpin and Smither like riding around in. Right. Yeah. Uh, so he so Kingpin has Silvermane captured in a helicopter. Kingpin's flying around this rooftop as well with Smythe like overlooking the whole scene. For some reason, he like I guess he's like questioning Silvermane and he ties him up to like a bungee cord and throws him out the window. I, I guess to intimidate him, mm-hmm. but eventually to kill him. I guess I'm not quite sure why he's doing that. But anyway, Silvermane is a hostage. Oh, right before then, uh, Peter like mentions to this in City Six. He's like. Uh, well, maybe one of them says, "What happened to Parker? Is he dead?" He says, "No, I, I took care of that snitch, Parker." Right. Yeah. You know, so he kind Smart. of like right. He he excuses Peter from Spider Man's life in a very clever way. Right. Like, oh, I hate Spider. I hate Peter Parker now. You know, he's not worth your time. He's not an ally of mine anymore. So that's pretty funny. But anyway, uh, you know, there's all this crazy business going on. Spider Man rescues Silvermane from the helicopter. Um, and Spider-Man, like, asks him as they're swinging around. He's like, why were you kidnapped? And here, again, so uh, just all these layers of subterfuge between these characters. Right, because Spider-Man doesn't know who Silvermane is. Right. He doesn't even know who the Kingpin is. Right, exactly. He doesn't see Wilson Fisk in the helicopter. Um, and then he also comments early. He's like, I wonder who they're all talking to in their headsets. Who's mm. the one giving them the orders? Right. He doesn't know. But Silvermane says, uh, oh, I'm just a wealthy old man uh, they kidnapped for ransom. Right. Uh, which is just a great lie. I mean, like, why would Spider-Man believe otherwise? Um, anyway, so Spider-Man's trying to get Silvermane to safety. It's really hard. Uh, I think it... I'm not quite sure. I, I'm a little confused here. I think at some point he just... Essentially, he just leads... Oh, okay. They they get into some, like, factory building again at the basement level or storage facility somewhere where the Insidious Six are. He's trying to protect Silvermane. Um he, they bump into Rhino, and before Rhino can punch him, he's like, don't you see, you idiot? I'm the chameleon. I'm not really Spider-Man. I'm trying to trick him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rhino's like, oh, that's very smart. I wish I could think of brilliant uh, uh, plans like that. And then Spider-Man sees Shocker Mysterio walking on the other side of the hall. He's like, look, that's where Spider-Man is. And Rhino just blindly charges at them. And this is where Peter's using his brain to defeat all these bad guys without having to punch them. Right. He just pits them against each other, basically, and it works like a charm. Right. And, and then it's at this point where Spider-Man's his spider sense returns just in the nick of time because Dr. Octopus is attacking him. Um, and uh, what happens next? Uh, but he, he manages to get away with Silvermane yet again. Oh, this is the moment where he, like, they, he gets Silvermane on, like, the top of a, sky, a different building. Uh, which is a real bumpy ride because his powers aren't fully returned, so he's just kind of, like, bouncing off the buildings and he's, in, like, in pain because he's smashing his muscles against the concrete. Right. It's pretty cool. But then he, he leads Silvermane down a chimney and uh, he's like, all right, well, I guess uh, Christmas is coming early for somebody. <laughs> so Silvermane gets away. Um, Spider-Man, uh, oh, he takes care of the shocker. Like, he manages to, like, throw him or kick him into a... A water storage tower on top of a building. Right, and Rhino had charged at the shocker thinking it was Spider-Man and, like, ripped his suit a little bit. So oh. here's another costume answer. <laughs> that yellow and, like, black fishnet getup is is a suit that he wears all the time. So it's why, why was he allowed to wear it in prison? Which yeah, is, like, the that's craziest. still the mystery. That, that didn't make sense. But no. you're right. So he falls into a water tower and the suit's going to explode because, you know. Right, so he, like, gets out of the suit as much as he can. You see, like, his skin, you know, in his right, underwear. His body, underneath. Yeah, his he underpants. jumps out of the water tower. Yeah, so Shocker's taken care of. Um, 
So now just left on the roof, it's Scorpion and Dr. Octopus and the helicopter Kingpins flying in. Uh, the first thing that happens is Spider-Man, like, managed to get, manages to get Scorpion to shoot at the helicopter with his acid, and that knocks Kingpin out of the action. The helicopter has to, like, go, like, land somewhere. So Kingpin flies away, and then he does the same thing with Dr. Octopus. He dodges, and the acid hits one of Doc Ock's hands, and that melts away. Right, tentacles. Right, and Peter says, wow, that's going to be expensive to fix, isn't it? And this drives Dr. Octopus insane. He starts yelling at Scorpion. He's like, you dunderhead, look what you've done. <laughs> right. And then they just start fighting. And Spider-Man's like, Scorpion, are you going to take that? Come yeah. on. Oh, yeah, and he's like, no, I'm not. And yeah, because Scorpion hates insults. Right. Right. So they bring it back to like all these character moments that they've built up previously. So Spider-Man manages to sneak away. As he like gets to the bottom of the building, he runs into Silvermane, uh, who you know was safe. And a bunch of kids chase Silvermane out the building. He's like, "Thanks a lot, Santa Claus." <laughs> and he's like, "I'll bring presents next time," or something like that. It's yeah. pretty just funny the way Silvermane sneaks out of the situation. And he shakes Spider-Man's hand. He's like, "Thanks for saving my life." Um, meanwhile, Silvermane like finds a payphone somewhere. He's talking to somebody. He's like, "Kingpin must die." Yeah. No, he says, "Kingpin must be eradicated." Uh-huh. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Um, uh, anyway, and it's at this moment the Insidious Six then get together in an alley and they decide that, like, fuck this, we're tired of being the Insidious Six, we all have to go our own separate ways. Kingpin's yelling at them over, like, a, um, a walkie-talkie, and they just leave it in the alleyway. They break up against the Kingpin's orders. And then we cut to um, Snarky Smythe, <laughs> who just rubs his total failure in the Kingpin's face. He's like, uh, well, uh, Spider-Man's still alive, and the Insidious Six break up, and now the crime laws are after you. How are you going to deal with this? Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. And you'd think, like, Kingpin would get really angry at him, but, like, no, he just takes it in stride. He's like, I'll be prepared. Yeah. You know, no one could stop me. And I guess, like, Smy's purpose to Kingpin is to be, like, totally deadly honest with him. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he, Kingpin wants him to like, be just completely 100% truthful. Yeah, he's not, like, bothered at all. Right, I mean, that's, like, a, a mark of strength in a leader, and I'm basing that entirely off of, uh, we like that show on Netflix, Marco Polo, oh, yeah. that starred Benedict Wong, uh-huh. who you might know, our viewers, if you haven't seen that show, as Wong from uh, Doctor Strange. Right. Um, so he's a great actor. So in that, in Marco Polo, he plays Kubla Khan, uh, Kubla Khan right? Like uh, uh, Genghis Khan's grandson, who rules that all the world. That show got such bad reviews, but I enjoyed it so much. I know. I just rewatched it recently because <laughs> it was so good. It, I just love it so much. Like if you really love like like uh, Mongolian history, it's I, like a history show, an adventure show, ninja like, it's show. Just really cool. Yeah, it's just really, I, and it's it's historically based. I mean, uh, the Marco Polo stuff's bullshit in there, but the stories about Kublai Khan are like sort of real. Yeah. And it's just fascinating to like think that like these Khans were real people, right. you know, and they ruled like one fifth of the world's territory, like and all Benedict of China and Wong Russia. Actually, gives like an incredible performance in this dumb show. Yeah, he's one of the world's greatest actors, so. Benedict Wong. So anyway, in that show, like he he threatens Marco Polo. He's like, if you ever lie to me, I don't care how unpleasant the truth is, I'll fucking kill you. And the one time Marco Polo does lie to him because he's trying to be deferential to the king, right. like he kills the servant. He, and he's like, I couldn't let the servant live because he'll know that a, a, a lowly foreigner lied to the, the Khan of Khans. Mm. And that's, like, on Marco Polo's uh, conscious that, like, I can't ever, like, not tell this guy the truth no matter how unpleasant. So that just reminds me sort of of this dynamic between Smythe and Kingpin here, mm. um, really uh, interestingly. Uh, anyway, Peter's, like, mostly happy now. He's, his spider powers have returned. Aunt May is safe. He goes back to school the next day. He runs into Felicia. And he's like, oh, Felicia, how about that date? Yeah, he's trying to... 
He's trying to make up for it. He's like, sorry about that. How about we have dinner tonight? And then Morbius shows up. Yeah. And he's like, "Uh, actually, Felicia's busy tonight. She's having dinner with me. uh, And also every other night this week. (laughs) Peter's like, oh, I I see. See what happened there. Ciao, Parker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, ciao. I just love when Felicia tells Peter, like, I'm not interested in you anymore. She's like, I'm interested in Morbius. He just says, oh. <laughs> it's just very cool. Well, she gives good reasons. Yeah, though, you know, it's not that as simple as that. She's like, you know, he actually cares enough to like show up and like take me out on time. I know, but I, I just really love the acting and writing on uh, Peter there. Uh-huh. You know, just that oh response. I mean, what, what else could he say? Yeah, it's just right. very coldly. It's just good writing. He goes back home. Aunt May is safe as happy here. But hey, uh, not everything's terrible. Mary Jane's there. So she's like, oh, Mary Jane, so great to see you. Were you worried about me? She's like, I was worried about Aunt May, not you. <laughs> but <I laughs> but guess, she's teasing. Yeah, she still likes Peter. So not all is like uh, ruined in Peter's love life, perhaps. Um, then the episode ends where he goes to Doc Connors again to get his blood tested. As Spider-Man. As Spider-Man. And uh, Doc Connors is like, well, I've got some bad news. Um, even though your powers have returned, your DNA is still mutating. The mutagenic aspect of your DNA and Peter's like, you mean like a mutant? Right. And he's like, uh, well, you're transforming into something that's not human. And the episode ends. I don't know what you're transforming into. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. So this episode really has it all. It's like an amazing like all-star lineup of villains that Peter outsmarts with his brains and twists and turns and shocks. You know, they And it's built on all the previous origin episodes we saw in season one, which we said was like a little like had a little bit of trouble getting off its feet season one, mm-hmm. but it's all paying off here yeah, like, totally. beautifully. We get the silver main character who's wonderful and like three-dimensional and unique. Um, we, and then we get like a hint at, hey, the X-Men, you know, mut- the world of mutants. Right. And which is like shit we're going to see more of in the Marvel movie universe mm-hmm. where they're going to finally, you know, now that the Disney deal is complete, they're going to start dropping in these mutant X-Men Fantastic Four references and all these Avengers movies. So, like, this stuff was all going on in 1995 uh, to, to near perfection. Mm-hmm. So um, a real, like, incredible, like, time capsule of, like, just how, like, wonderful, like, Marvel, consistently wonderful Marvel's been throughout the uh, decades. Um, it's a real treat. Yeah, it's a real treat. Um, I don't think the X-Men crossover episode's happening in the next one. I think it's the one after that one. Okay. Which is uh, really awesome that we're going to get to see our old friends again, mm-hmm. hear from our old friends again. Um. And do you have any final words on this episode or Marvel in general? Um, Things going on in your universe? Uh, I don't know. I think it's really funny for some reason that Morbius... Not Morbius. Um, Silvermane is animated. <laughs> the drawing of, of him doesn't mm-hmm. have lips. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, like, a lot of moments where he's kind of surprised by something. He'll just be like, oh. But, like, because he doesn't have lips, he just has this, like, perfect round O. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> I just love that you can hear Paul Winchell's, almost his whistling through his teeth. He's such an old man. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just great, though. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, yeah. Um, I just, I want to mention, ever since we saw Captain Marvel, I've kind of just gone back and watched, over the last two weeks, watched nearly every Marvel movie. Um <laughs> Uh, I, I, you know what? I saw Incredible Hulk without you, 
which I is a movie. I still haven't seen that. Yeah, we got to watch it again. It was actually really good. I, I saw like half of it once years ago and like it was on TV and I never cared about it. Yeah. And then because, you know, they replaced Edward Norton, I just assumed it was bad and I never watched it. It was pretty good. I always liked Edward Norton as an actor. Yeah. Well, he's great. Just, I mean, he's a genius actor. Yeah. But, I don't know. I mean, not like Incredible Hulk is one of his genius performances. Right. But I guess that's kind it's of like thing. kind of standard. Like but. at the time when that movie came out, I didn't really care about the Hulk. I yeah, never read neither. the comics or had any connection yeah. really. So I was kind of just like, oh, all right, whatever. It, yeah, but it was kind but of. I would go back and watch it. Yeah, then. we could watch it. It was underrated. I thought it was really. It was. It's not like, it's, it's on the level of uh, those early other Marvel movies like Thor one or Captain America one. It's not any worse than them, and but it's not. You know what I mean? It's not like particularly bad anyway. It was good. Yeah, it was decent, and okay. um, it was kind. Of, and it kind of made, it kind of made me feel bad. I, like I was like, wow, it would have been actually really. I think Edward Norton would have brought a lot to the MCU if he got to keep the part. I, I like, like Mark. Mark I like him, but I think they just. You know, there's some discussion. Like they had a sideline the character of the Hulk for distribution rights issues because uh. Universal shares the solo Hulk movie rights with Marvel. Hmm. So they can't really make a solo movie without involving Universal. I mean, they can use them in their crossover films. So if that's the case, they can't do serious Hulk movies. So they kind of made him into a side character for more comedy mm. in the Avengers and Thor movies, which a lot of people are divided on. Um, but, I mean, the Incredible Hulk movie worked. Uh, but then I just like ended up watching like most of all the movies. I skipped through a lot of them. Like, I'd put them on, but then like just skip over the boring parts. Yeah. But like I am like so marveled out in my brain right now. <laughs> <laughs> so did all of that change your opinion about Captain Marvel, ultimately? Yeah, that's kind of why I went back. I wanted to put it in context of like all these other films. And, you know, it's just all part of a, 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 a rainbow tapestry, you know, uh-huh. a continuum. Yeah. Like, that's that's how it's... I mean, none of these movies, if you watch a lot of them, the, the, a lot of them have some really bad moments, you know. Even though I enjoyed them immensely at the time, I still have a lot of fondness for them. Like, for instance, the first Avengers movie was pretty... The first chunk of it was pretty hard to sit through. The dialogue was so disjointed and corny and it's just like wow this is aged fast mm. and and it's just a lot of it didn't make sense like the characters are almost speaking to the audience at times and not to each other mm-hmm. it's like they were they didn't even quite know how to write it yet you know how to make it more grounded mm. um, I think the movie the Avengers movie gets good when the attack on New York happens that's when it like starts to like fit and make sense but it was so cringy like uh, I mean especially all the moments with the Black Widow how she gives all these like weird loving stares to various characters and you know like the, the yeah scene, her scene... character doesn't make sense to me at all in all of those movies because they give you all this backstory about her being you know a KGB agent right. and like this like really horrible childhood that she lived through and stuff yeah. and then for the most part, like, you don't see any trace of that in the the rest of the writing for her character. It's, she's mostly there as, like, a love interest for Mark Ruffalo. Or uh, Hawkeye, like, or at times. Hawkeye, and yeah. Cap- even Captain America in one so movie. Weird. It's so bizarre. And then in the Avengers movie, the moment I, like, cringed was when uh, Captain America's fighting Loki near the beginning. And uh, Black Widow shows up in a helicopter and uh, Iron Man's flying in and she hears Iron Man like on her radio speaker with like an ACDC song or something. Yeah. And they cut to her face and she's like, oh, like she's got like a look like she's blushing because she's kind of turned on or something by Iron Man coming in. 
Like, I mean, that was my reading of the scene. It was just so awkward. I was like, I don't why? Remember that at it, all, it's like okay. they're showing her like, oh, I can't believe Iron Man's here. Like, she's almost like biting her nails because she's so like overwhelmed. You know what I mean? Oh. So I didn't like that. Uh, and there's a lot of moments in the Avengers movie like that. Um, but it's like it's interesting if you watch them all, like from the earliest ones to the newest ones. They, you see how Marvel they learn what like didn't work, they learn what did work, and they like double down on the stuff that works. Mm. And they and sometimes to their discredit because. They'll often beat a tone to yeah. the death. Like, when they figured out what worked with the Winter Soldier, too many of the movies following had, like, the same kind of color palette and directorial tone as them. Like, a, a more, like, grounded realism, which is kind of, like, that gets tiring in a way, too. Yeah. But then they, they do mix it up, because then you get to Thor Ragnarok, and it's, like, bright and colorful again. Right. So, it's just, like, it's an interesting, like, mixture of, like, lots of different stuff. So, the, my point about Captain Marvel is, it's, like, I judge it on, like I said on Facebook... It's part of, it's part of this massive art project. That's what the, all these movies are. Them all being tied together, mm-hmm. and I think that it's cool, and I think it's worthy, and that's why I'm not judging them as works of cinema like this. It's just weird because it's almost like it's a one long extended like television series. Yeah. That just happens to have each episode be like roughly two hours long, and you know, yeah. like it's it runs more like a series at this point than like individual movies. Because honestly, like you've been going back, and I've been catching a few minutes here and there as you're watching, and I really couldn't tell you the individual <laughs> plot lines of any of those movies anymore. But yeah, I mean, you would if you were watching them closely, like I would. You would. It's I not guess, like they're yeah. like bad, and they don't. You know, no, no, not because they're yeah. bad. I know, just but because I'm just there's saying. so many, and they're so yeah. seamless from one to the next. Well, you know? it is crazy. It's episodic. It's crazy to spend 10 days literally watching nothing but Marvel movies after work. Yeah, right. So, I mean, that in itself is a little nuts. But um, anyway... So not recommended? No, actually, I enjoyed it. I really <laughs> loved it. I can't wait for this next fucking Avengers movie. I, like, I'm so hyped up on oh, it. Like, I, I'm really excited. Um, uh, I'm excited for the future X-Men movies. I'm excited to see Shazam. Uh, speaking of the DC Universe, that comes out this weekend. Right, and it's getting really good, like, audience reactions Re- review preview reviews yeah, yeah right um so maybe we'll go tomorrow or next weekend and we'll let you know what we thought of shazam i hear it's really great i'm very excited to see that and uh that's all i have to say so um let's wrap it up here uh you can follow me on twitter at willie simpson if you like uh you could join our x-men task podcast facebook group which i thoroughly recommend it's a lot of fun there we can carry on these conversations while we're all bored at work <laughs> talk about marvel uh, future comic books whatever you want um rate and review us five stars whenever podcast service you use and find us on buzzsprout x-men test podcast uh dot buzzsprout.com i believe or wherever you download podcasts run everything itunes google you know you can find us stitcher um and that's all i have to say sonia any final words before we go that's it. all right good night everybody good night